Welcome to the Woohoo Crew podcast, where cosmic culture meets pop culture, where we discuss topics like astrology, numerology, the mind-body connection, as well as sports, music, and entertainment. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm joined by my co-host, my pseudo-guru, Cheryl. We are the Woohoo Crew. Hello, Cheryl, my pseudo-guru. Welcome to episode 12. Let me start off the show as I do every episode by asking you, did you catch any woohoo this past week? Woohoo, Brandon. It's been a challenge this week with Mercury in retrograde. I have been linking mantra with my breath. So seeing if I can breathe through my nostrils and going for the breath that's coming through having a sound. Okay. And for one thing, it's made me laugh and it's a challenge, but I'm just been taking action and alchemizing that link to the breath and the the mantra okay. and teaching the woohooers how to do that. Yeah. yeah. How about cool. you? Uh, you know what? Not really. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, I feel like my bank account's a little low uh, right mm. now. So I got to, mm. I, I got to think about that more. I'll get back to you, but I can't, nothing really comes to mind. Yeah. Well, Mercury's in retrograde, which we'll, we'll talk about in the I next quarter. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Maybe that'll give you some more insight as to why I have a low bank account. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you back. First quarter reason for the season. Woohoo! Okay. First quarter, Cheryl, what's going on in the cosmos? So Mercury, that little trickster planet is, yeah. in, re- is in retrograde. Ah. It has been since January 14th and it will be till February 3rd. Uh-oh. But there's a, and there's a pre-retrograde shadow, which began December 29th and the post-retrograde shadow ends February 23rd. So you may be feeling that. That might explain why you're not your spiritual bank account's a little lower. So explain, uh, explain what the retrograde process means and just, I guess, in general. Yeah. So the, the planets, they help us understand the energies here on earth. And they, they represent the basic drives, which animate our psyche. And then our signs flavor those drives with particular values and agendas and our intentions. So right now we're in the season of Aquarius, which is fulfillment and it's very clear and crisp and also could get us into some trouble, the, the rebel without, with the rebel with a cause. Yeah. Mercury, but Mercury in retrograde is a cycle where the energy feels confused, confusing and ungrounded. It's, it's a feeling of being frazzled and it can cause disturbances. So during this period, it's important to feel really careful with our language because Mercury, is it's an optical illusion of sorts. You can even call it a pseudoscience. I'm sure people do. And um, from our viewpoint on earth, it appears to change direction and move backwards. And that's what we call the optical illusion. We call it a retrograde of a planet and all the planets have it. Mercury is the most frequent, frequent one because it moves around faster. It's Mm -hmm. the first planet. So it's, that's why people are talking about it probably right now. And Mercury has rulership, meaning its energy affects 
our communication, our technology, our short travel, our travel that's not the long distance as Sagittarius, our short travel, community travel, information gathering, and logic. Okay. Yeah. And it rules the mind, the nervous system, the arms, the hands, the fingers, the lungs, the hormones. And we'll learn more about it during Gemini and Virgo season. So um, when this happens, it, when this three-week retrograde happens in Mercury, happens about three times a year. This year, 2022, we'll get it four times, four times. Oh, wow. And it, it causes disruptions in communication, work and travel delays, electronic issues, misunderstandings. And when it, you know, in astrology, this idea of retrograde is that the energy of the planet's moving inwards. So it's more internal journey and will bring things up or back into our lives that need to be confronted and released. Gotcha. And so we can think of it as a time to, because it's retrograde. So RE, so a time to review, to recheck, to renew and to restore. And it can be very frustrating when things appear to go too slow, when projects get stalled and delays occur. Um, it can happen in relationships. It's also an opportunity if we know how to use its trickster energy, because it's tricky. So, well, um, yeah, yeah, so sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I have a few things that I'm waiting on uh, with some businesses that I'm involved in. And, and it's, I think that's part of why I'm like, uh, I just, I have this uh, anxious, uneasy feeling. Uh, so that's very interesting that you just mentioned that. I'm very yeah. frustrated that they're they're taking so long to do what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. And so with Mercury being the messenger, it's the messenger of the, the Zodiac, the messenger of the gods, the mes messenger of the generating, organizing, delivering system. Mm -hmm. And it's energy rules our thinking, speech, communication, technology, transportation. That's a lot of energy. So when it appears to be moving backwards, it's like things just aren't from our perception. It's very disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. And things get skewed and things can go a little haywire. So it's a time to, um, cause Aquarius season is a time to consider our, our independence and our individuality and our free thinking. So we can use this for good. We can reactivate our independence, individuality, and free thinking, um, and how that links to the collective enterprise. We can do that. And what's interesting is this is a time to be really careful with our texts, our emails, our, our direct messages, really check them and explain your intentions because sometimes if there's a typo or a slip, like a Freudian slip kind of thing that can happen and decision-making skills, like sometimes when we're trying to make a decision, that's how my mind gets it. It's, it's a challenge to make a decision. It could be muddled. So this is a time to not, if possible, sign any major contracts. <laughs> well, now, now I'm nervous and I'm going to say something really dumb on this, uh, this episode here. What are you going to say? I don't know. I don't know. But oh, you're nervous that you're going to say something dumb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, that's how you remember last, last episode. So John friend and I both have our son and Mark in, um, Gemini and I have my rising in Virgo. So I have a lot of mercury. And, uh, so that's why we felt like, you know, did we make any sense at all? So that that's definitely a thing is, did we make any, are we making sense or are, yeah. 
yeah. or, you know, but it's a time to be careful to read the fine print. And when it comes to technology, like you might, your computer might, uh, like emails could disappear. Your computer could just shut down all of a sudden. So weird things are happening. There's like poltergeist and like crazy things going on that we just need to kind of ride it out and be careful. I don't know if it's poltergeist, but there's a, I don't, there I don't know where that came from. Electronic meltdowns. So it's, it's advisable. Isn't that how not... it started though? Didn't, wasn't it the little girl <laughs> sitting in front of the TV and she just, isn't that, <laughs> is that how that movie started? Gosh, I have to, uh, yeah. That's true. So be careful with the poltergeist yeah. situations in your home. Um, any kind of electronic meltdowns. And if you're not maybe- freaked out yet about the world, we will give you there. No, <laughs> no worries. Come, come see us. But also, if you're traveling, just know that they're even just driving, like we're from, you know, from where you are to downtown Atlanta or something build in time for delays or cancellations and wrong turns and stuff like that. And then proofread everything, like choose your words carefully, extra diligent. If you have to sign a contract, back up your data, just plan for, for mishaps because Mercury, Mercury's not bad. It it can serve as like we have it four times a year. You love quarters, right? Think of it as a game. Each <laughs> quarter, each quarter, self-assess and prepare. You know, so um, there's things that you could do so that it's not like so bad that you just need to hide under the covers all the time. So this apocalyptic period that we're in right now, it, <laughs> it this ends. Uh, you said February third, correct? So I think that's next week. It does, um, but then there's also, so communication will start to become easier and then there's a, a shadow side. So for me, the shadow sides, um, the shadow part, the, the two weeks before and two weeks after um, are the ones that get me the most. Yeah. Okay. But you can use it for your benefit. There's well, that's, things that you can do. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. So I'm making it, I'm sort of half joking about the the apocalypse, but give me give me some positive stuff about the retrograde period. Yeah, well, let me see where you have Mercury. You have Mercury in Scorpio. So uh, that's why it's really affecting you because Scorpio is your sun sign. So things are skewed there in your Scorpio where you have lots of other signs as well that your Mars. So you're trying to take action. That's where you take action, but then you have silly Mercury playing tricks and making things challenging. Like you said, slowing down. So it's, it's the, that, Mercury feels slowed down when you have your Mars there, if you want to get things done. So that, that could be for sure a situation is why you're not feeling it. Um, so things that you could do, cause it, you remember what it rules are thinking, speech, communication, technology, transportation. We can take this time to reflect, to review, to renew, to restore. So one thing we can do is release any rules that are no longer needed and enjoy the boundaries of the rules that you've created, knowing if they're your own rules, like think about the rules that you do, whether it's even like, oh, I have to eat breakfast at this time, or any of the rules that you follow because you think that you need to just review them and create your own rules and enjoy them. So that's a time to do that. Okay. It's a time to slow down. And notice what you've processed over the last few months and congratulate yourself on anything that you've done because it's Mercury helps us process it's a community it's communication and oftentimes we're taking so much communication in and this is a time to just get, get quiet and reflect on all that.
um, whatever's no longer serving, particularly in this 11th house energy of Aquarius. If there's people or projects that you've outgrown, you can prune them. You can edit them from your life. Okay. And that's very Scorpio and you have Mercury and Scorpio. So that would be perfect for you to do. Well, I'm going to reflect and I'm going to, I'm going to um, lock myself in my bedroom for the next, uh, eight days. <laughs> and, uh, I'll see you all after this retrograde ends. I'm just well, kidding. That's, that's good yeah. insight though. Thank you. Thank yeah. You, you can get busy working with it instead of, you know, like hiding because oftentimes we can ignore them or we can complain about the mishaps and, and just work with it because mercury is the energy is it's like a, a kid in the back of a, a class, like a child in the back of a classroom that feels ignored and starts to cause problems. And they're asking for attention. That's, that's the mercury retrograde energy. That's how it is. So instead of getting annoyed with it, if we could reflect on, reflect on attention, because this is Aquarius season. So with Mercury retrograde in Aquarius, we can reflect on the tension between our true nature and our social conditioning or circumstance. So for instance, we might like, like for you being a Scorpio, you know, having all that Scorpio, it, there's parts of that that may be your true nature. And you might have this social conditioning that somebody of authority had said to you, keep acting this way. And, and this, that's what ha would happen to me as a child, right? Keep acting, acting this way and we will dismiss you or keep acting this way. And we will laugh at you, not with you. Keep acting this way. And we're going to move all our desks away from you. So you'll be by yourself. Keep acting this way, you know, and other people keep acting this way and you, we will marginalize you, or we will smother your voice with with our with our prejudice with our ignorance so that's something to consider that your true nature of what you really what really brings you the woohoo energy and any social conditioning that's preventing you from from going there from from being in your true nature does that make sense yep okay yeah good, good stuff yeah and then you can also reflect on the tension between any your groundbreaking genius and the pre-existing ground to break. So all that genius that's coming through, that's Aquarius, the energy, the 11, and what's happening in the world right now, it's pre-existing conditions that needs to break up, that needs to clear. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one would be, reflect on the tension between your unique, true weirdness and where you faked the normal, the average, the typical, the mainstream for social advantages. <laughs> okay. Have you ever done that? Have you ever faked being normal and you kind of suppressed your unique weirdness? Uh, every day. Well, there, there you go. That will every, every day. Yeah. So let, let that is my, weird... my normal is faking normal. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to let your freak flag fly. Ah, there we go. The freak flag. Okay. Yeah. All right. And breaks, break some rules. Like there's a tension between breaking rules and following rules as well, because when you do that, it's, it's sovereign medicine, this Aquarius energy, it's sovereign. So making sure that during this Mercury review, that you're able to do something weird, you know, weird in the best way. You got it. I'll report back next week. Okay. All right. We'll see you back for Q2. Second quarter, woo wire.
We're back, second quarter. I tell a story. Pseudo Guru channels a cosmic force on the Woohoo wire. And we ask that cosmic force a question about my story. So today, I want to talk about meatloaf, not the kind that you might have had for dinner last night. Thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go very well. I thought it was funny. I'm talking about the singer and actor. So Meatloaf passed away, unfortunately, last week at age 74. He's been incredibly active since the early 70s, really all the way through until he died. He was even talking last year about recording another album. And he's more than music. You might remember him from the Rocky Horror Show. I think he did the, the musical and the movie as well. And he's been in several other movies. I actually looked this up and I couldn't believe it. He's credited in almost 50 films, which is crazy. Uh, my favorite was his role in Fight Club with Ed Norton and Brad Pitt. Oh, and he made one of the highest selling albums of all time, Bad Out of Hell, right? So just, you know, no biggie. But Meatloaf wasn't your, your typical American celebrity success story. He was born with the name Marvin, which he later changed to Michael. And he grew up in Texas. Uh, he was a big guy, earned the name Meatloaf from his high school football coach. He moved to L.A. and at, uh, I think, age 19 and started a band called Meatloaf Soul. So obviously not ducking from that nickname that he earned. Ironically, he was a vegetarian for part of his, his adult life, which I thought was pretty funny. But from there, he started grinding, playing in the band and doing musicals and acting gigs. I mean, if you look over his entire career, I mean, this guy is really kind of like a, res a renaissance man. He's one of the most accomplished and diverse artists of the 20th century in music and stage and film. He's a pop culture icon. VH1 has him as one of the 100 greatest artists of all time in hard rock. Yet it really doesn't feel like he gets his due and it certainly didn't come easy for him a, a few years ago meatloaf opened up about the music industry and he said his biggest life struggle was not being taken seriously he basically said that they treated him in the industry like a circus clown and on top of that he had a severe social anxiety disorder Th this always makes i've always find this very interesting uh he's not the first person who lived this public life that came out and and had this kind of disorder. Uh, but it just amazes me that you're able to have the kind of career that you do. He, he often said that he never went out anywhere and felt that he had a boring life, mostly because he said he would get freaked out and he would get nervous in social settings, which again, is just is so crazy to, to hear because you would never know. We talked last week about this is the season to be a, a rebel with a cause. Well, Meatloaf is your man. I mean, this guy, he didn't look the part of a big-time star. His music wasn't necessarily mainstream. His acting, he often played you know, some of the more weirder characters, but he was authentic. He did his own thing. And in the end, people loved him. He was an icon. So my question is, how is it that someone could take their creative talents and burst onto a scene and become a legend when their talents and their image may not be what most would consider normal?
Uranus here. Who? Uranus. 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 Uranus? Yeah, you can call me that. Oh, hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm uh I'm rolling. Where where other <laughs> well, that's planets good because spin? you're round. Yeah, where other planets spin, I roll. Okay. That'd be hard if you were square, but you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for uh, asking a question where I was able to come through the woohoo wire. Thank you for, for coming down. What's, uh, what's going on? I really like the woohoo wire because I nourish uh, peculiarity and eccentricity, and I felt that coming okay. through the woohoo wire. So thank you. Okay. You a big meatloaf fan? I am. Yeah. Yes. Meatloaf had Aquarius in his first house, like okay. you do. Okay. And you know, that's my energy. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more. Well, so my currency is how you evolve and change for the better, as well as how you help to do this for the collective. And I'm a planet of change. Change is important because that's the only consistency is change, which gives us freedom to adapt and handle and process. And then I'm also the planet of trauma when you don't adapt to change. Okay. So I help revolutionize humanity wow. and start something new and better. For instance, like the phone book to the newspaper, to the internet. That's my frequency. Say that again. Sorry. From the phone book where you had phone books. Yeah. It's been a while, but yeah, I think so. I think I remember them. Yeah. And then even newspapers, which are still around a bit. Barely, but, but yeah. To the, but to the internet, that's my frequency, the, the internet. And that's Aquarian frequency that I help bring out, which is the connection to each other in humanity. So Meatloaf was able to download epiphanies, his genius downloads, and I helped him grant access to his higher mind, both through his first house being an Aquarius and his, he had me, Uranus, or how you say Uranus, which always makes me laugh when you say that. He had me in Taurus. So he was able to embrace impermanence. And as he felt his way through the security of conformity, to a place of real authenticity. And he was able to, to use my vibration of freedom from needing to conform and find security from outward values by strengthening his individuality and allowing himself to be himself. He even called himself meatloaf and he, he turned that around and it's funny, right? To, to the name, again, you know who he is. That's an individual. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Totally. So he was a visionary. That's the energy. Visionary, imaginative, inventor. And he understood how to contribute to the consciousness. 
So for him, having me in Taurus, which is in the North Node right now, he shook up the the world, the the art, the artist world with his openness. And Taurus is neutral for it to grow. It's ruled by oh, Venus. Have you ever seen Venus? Oh, what a beauty. You know her? I'm familiar with her. Yeah, she's very sensorial and yeah. So that's Taurus, right? He had that unabashedly received the comforts and the prosperity. And he was, he did indulge in comfort, right? You saw what he looked like. I'm sorry. Right? Are we still talking about Venus or are we talking about meatloaf? Oh, we're talking about meatloaf. Oh, okay. Right. But Venus is always, always sure. with us, isn't she? Sure. Can you call her down here or is it, would it take her too long to get here? I could. I like to, I really like to work with her. I mean, sometimes I, annoy I can tell. Her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we all have a thing for her. I mean, who doesn't, you right, know, because right. she, she's, you know, brings the beauty and the love into the world. So T totally. Yeah. I can get on her though, because I'm always rolling and, you know, she spins. Um, so, but he had, you know, he indulged meatloaf, indulged in comfort. Venus does this too, which is why she has, you know, her energy is more round, you know, she's not into that, like super, what do you have down there in humanity? Those really like super, super thin. That's not her energy. She's more round and sensual. Voluptuous. Yeah. Yes. That's Venus. Yeah. So, um, so he indulged in that meatloaf and, and he had that, that fixed. Some would say meatloaf was voluptuous. Yeah. You could say that. Absolutely. And he, so he was ruled by, by me there. He had me with in Taurus, which I love because that's Venus's rulership. So that's where I get to really do my, do my thing, help, help shift things. And that's why his art was his individual offering and his love. And he did it in, in such a um, unique way that was true to him. And we, ah, uh, when I get together with um, my colleagues that like to change and disrupt, he, Meatloaf was one of the ones we were very, very honored to be able to watch. And that's what I like. You know, I'm also the Lord of earthquakes and lightning. So whenever mm. you're feeling some lightning or earthquakes, it's I'm trying to shake things up, you know, yeah. because it's too stagnant, too still. It's good to know. So, um, mm -hmm. So with Meatloaf, though, so how, you know, this was a guy who had a lot of talent, obviously, maybe one of the more talented people we've seen, but he wasn't, you know, he just didn't fit the, I guess, the image uh, of what some of these celebrities were, you know, back in the 70s and even really still today. Like, where, where, where did he, where do you get that? I mean, most people would, you know, they would, they would be afraid to kind of go down that road, but he wasn't. Right. You're saying image. That would be what you look like. Is that what you're saying? Like what you, let's yeah. take that. And I hate to say image, but yeah, I guess that's probably a good start. Cause you, you know, your image is important, I guess, when you're starting out, you know, before mm -hmm. you, you have to, you know, down here on, on earth to go down the path he did, you, somebody has to kind of let you in or give you a break or, you know, and, and he had a hard time. They didn't really take him seriously, as I mentioned. And, you know, and his music was a little bit more theatrical, hard rock, which wasn't, you know, certainly wasn't mainstream, but really wasn't even a thing. And, uh, and he just did his thing. And, and uh, in the end, you know, here we are talking about him. Well, he 
served the purpose of his soul. Mm -hmm. That's what he was here to do is, is he, even when it comes to his image, remember he had me in Taurus. So as you said, voluptuous, oh, I love that word. And it reminds me of Venus. Yeah. Venus. So so he did, he did his, his thing and he changed things up. And even though it might feel a little chaotic, his energy, it's very unexpected. Wouldn't you say his music unexpected people laugh. It's something completely different. It's individual. And he disrupted the flow of business as usual. And he did it in a really, really charming and hilarious way that did me proud. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I, that, that makes me, uh, that, that helps a lot understanding kind of the, what created the, his, the fiber inside of him to, you know, to be what he was. Cause he was an impressive guy and we're all going to miss him. Exactly. And he could have done it in a more, you know, some act out with my energy, more childish and more, you know, doesn't serve humanity. He's, he, he served humanity and you will all be listening to his music for years to come. We listen to it and, and I'm, I'm real far out there. Yeah. And I tune in to hear his music and, um, and it's, it has a, a, a message for humanity that we could all relate to. That's what he was able to do. Take his individual unique self meatloaf, his name and create these ballads that were, that got right to the heart and made us laugh as well. We could totally you all could totally relate to. We got, we got to see that. I, I was able to witness humanity coming together and laughing still because you mentioned Bad Out of Hell. That came out in 77, right? Sounds about right. Yeah, because I remember that year. Mm. Um, so that's really um, was his contribution. That's what you all are here to do. That's what I want you all to do. I only come around in the same house every 84 years or so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I rule Aquarius and so does my, my colleague, my nemesis Saturn. Mm. So Saturn makes the rules and I break them. Right. That's our, that's how we work that's together. Your thing. That's our thing. And I think Venus likes me more, but we'll, we, you know, I don't know. I think the rule breakers are more fun, don't you? I think you and Saturn and Venus should have a podcast. I think we should. So he that's what I want all of you to do. Know where you have me in your chart. Know where you have Aquarius and be true to yourself. Meatloaf even, didn't the vegans, weren't they upset about his name? That's so funny. Yeah, there were several stories of like people, uh, even like famous vegetarians that just didn't um, really give them the time of day because without even knowing anything about him, uh, never mind the fact that he was a vegetarian for, you know, a decade <laughs> or two. But uh, so, and, and again, you know, it's like that's that's what makes that's what impresses me about mm-hmm. him is he didn't he he was himself, you know, he was yes. authentic. And if somebody got upset because his name was Meatloaf and they didn't like meat, screw them. <laughs> exactly right and and that's when you have success so you you know you have the exact same aquarius in your first house right so it's important for you to be yourself and success will flow to you and you'll flow to success when you're yourself okay and you can you can really increase your impact in the world and 
fulfill your artistic and inventive genius, just like meatloaf did. Just by being yourself. Because you can see how ridiculous it is to be mad at a person for their name, that they find someone's name offensive. Yeah. You know, when it's also that name meatloaf for a lot of people is very Taurus. It's very um, com comforting. You get, did you feel earthy and grounded? So to make him wrong for his name and, and then he played along with it for a bit, right? And then he was himself. That's, mm -hmm. that's the game. That's what we want for you. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uranus. <laughs> I love when you call me that. I know there's, um, what is it? They, Cause you know, my, my diamonds. Yes. So when you say there's diamonds in Uranus, oh, I, you know, it helps me roll and roll with laughter. And the other planets spin Us and too. spin with laughter. Good, good. It's always funny, right? No matter how old you are. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, listen, rock and roll yourself back through the woohoo wire and safe travels. And uh, thank you once again for joining us. And thanks for the talk on being authentic. I think we all need to remember that sometimes. Yes. And I'm watching you, Brandon. I'm you watching it. you. You okay. got it. Okay. <laughs> Take care. You too. This week's show is sponsored by Uranus. It's the planet that helps you with individuation and thinking outside the mainstream. So call upon Uranus to catch the currency of eccentricity. Third quarter, the interview. Welcome back to the third quarter. We've got another very special guest today. Cheryl, who are we talking to? Very special. It's my dad, James Van Cleve. And he um, he's for sure has helped me release a lot of goo and, and brought the rue, the awareness, the wisdom. Always. He was my go-to for any questions. And as a, with all my Gemini, I had so many questions I still do so he's uh been a scholar his whole life uh engineer bachelor's master's in electrical engineering and wow. then a master's and doctorate in theology wow. and as he was studying theology um he would share with us and my favorite that he taught us was um greek mythology and also to note, he was um, raised, or you were raised, Dad, a um, devout Catholic, and then he married my mom, who is Jewish, Jewish from Newark, and he was raised Catholic in a farm in Illinois, and so both my parents taught me to um, have, to honor all religions, and so they, my childhood was spent um, finding the the unity of all religions and both my parents still work in that realm. So here is my dad, James Van Cleve. Welcome. Welcome, James. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, and when I went to theology school, I mean, that was um, um, in the Claremont. 
uh, School of Theology, which is Episcopalian, and a Methodist seminary. So I got a good dose of of Catholic evangelical, and now I'm into what's known as New Thought, which is um, you know taking the words of Jesus, uh, and, you know, really trying to work with them, and not so much the evangelical, not so much Paul, let's put it that way. More Jesus, less Paul. Movement <laughs> has been going on for over a hundred years. So anyway, when you study Christianity in New Testament. You have to, first of all, you, the New Testament was written in a, a common Greek. Uh, people, some people like to say it was Aramaic, but it wasn't. It was Greek. Paul, Paul wrote in Greek. Uh, when you go, when you say Greek, well, gee, you know, um, how did the Greek-speaking people look at the gods? Because they sure had plenty of them, and uh, they had a whole hierarchy. Of gods and the things that gods did, they kind of divided up all their tasks and uh, they replaced each other. And, and all the gods, you know, the question was, where did evil come from? That any anybody in theology has to ask that. You know, if God is all good and everything is all good, where did evil come from? How'd they get here? With Christianity, why it's original sin? With the Greek gods, what well, it was? Well, the gods kind of mess up every now and then. <laughs> No one's perfect, right? Yeah. So um, Charles is specific, uh, specifically interested in Uranus, uh, which is not the planet today. The planet was named after. He's basically the original Greek sky god. Mm -hmm. also god, god of the heavens. But heavens in those days was just a dome. It wasn't like heaven, like um, religion calls heaven. Uh, it's just a you know, you, you had to explain where all these stars came from. And there was some kind of a dome with lots of light outside that had little pinholes in it all over the place. And in the daytime, why that went away and the, and the sun came out. So basically, the sky god around us and the earth god, Gia, had a whole bunch of kids together. One of which was a Cronus, also known as Saturn or Father Time. It was very important. He was kind of Uranus's number one son. Uh, of course, they didn't get along that well. Fathers and sons sometimes don't. So the Cronus, Cronus wanted to be king of the heavens and he wanted to stay that way. He didn't want anybody taking the part. So Hera. Hera was also, obviously, everybody was a, a son of, of heaven and earth, of, of Gia and uh, Uranus. So Hera was one of the daughters, and of course, she married Saturn. So it was okay to, because what else are you going to do? There's nobody else out there. So, <laughs> so you end up marrying your sister, or your your aunt, or your mother, not your mother necessarily. But so Hera and Saturn got I guess together. it makes dating a lot easier, right? <laughs> yeah, and the family tree is straight and no branches. Right. Well, it's just everything's just easier. Simpler time. So Saturn and Hera, Hera had um, a whole bunch of kids. Most of the gods that you think about. But and I keep calling I'm gonna use interchangeably Cronus and Saturn. I hope it doesn't, you know, confuse anybody. Cronus is just the Greek name for Saturn. And it's mm -hmm. Saturn has a Latin name. 
but um well corona's is not really a very popular name these days or variations of it <laughs> saturn's probably better saturn being you know a good old god uh he was kind of jealous because he had these sons i mean poseidon for heaven's sake zeus hades he had these powerful sons and so he didn't want them to take over his kingship, so he just swallowed them. <laughs> What's the God going to do? And um, Hera, who was the mother of all these, she she didn't like that very well. <laughs> so in the case of Zeus, he didn't get to swallow him because Hera, after she had Zeus, she took a big rock and put it in a big bag and she gave it to him and said, here's the body of, of my little boy Zeus. And he swallowed it. And, but Zeus lived. Zeus stayed on. I mean, gods don't really die. They just get swallowed up. So Zeus survived. But the Titans, the Titans were a particular problem because, I mean, they, they were the, the sons of heaven and earth also, or, or uh, Uranus and Idea. And they were huge monster giants. And Zeus had to kill them all. I mean, they were really bad guys. Big, great, big, huge, all but one. And that's Atlas. And Atlas is holding up the earth. You see Atlas with the host holding yeah. the earth up on his back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so he's still around. But the rest of them, oh, Zeus got him. Zeus learned how to throw thunderbolts because he's the sky guy. So he zapped them all. He's after every single Titan except uh, Atlas. The thing about the gods, they are all immortal. But, and, and if you go to ancient Greece, you got to go to Delphi or someplace like that. They've got temples all over the place for every single god, especially Apollo, because Delphi is basically his, his uh, oracle. And, if you do, and they don't worship, none of these temples or treasuries are worshipped anymore. And the way the gods work is if you don't worship them, and you don't acknowledge them, they just go dormant. They're still out there, but uh, they're dormant. Um, they sit and kind of watch the action, you know, and probably uh, amusingly like watching a cartoon show maybe about all the other religions and how they're doing. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the story of Cronus and, and uh, or I'm sorry, of Uranus. I mean, he, um, they all have their shadow side and they because if, when your human beings make it up, you got to blame somebody. There was a fellow by the name of Hesiod. I don't think, I know you were. Hesiod was like 800 BC, and he wrote a whole bunch of books on the gods. And they were old, old stories then in 800 BC. So we know this stuff goes back to the Egyptians. Um, they helped invent some of the gods, and the Babylonians also for that matter. And of course, the Babylonians are also one of the major contributors to astrology. I mean, I suppose that's arguable, but I mean, astrology was extremely important to the Babylonians and the Egyptians, and they worried about things. One of the things they worried about, I don't know, Cheryl, when you want me to start in on this, but was that the doggone um, uh, zodiac moves. I mean, Back in the day, when you read the Old Testament, you read the Bible, and you talk about five or six thousand years ago, they worshipped bulls, they worshipped the cow, or they worshipped the, the bull, because it was the age of Taurus. And then later on in the Bible, they, they I'm sorry, talking about sacrifice, they sacrificed the bulls to God. 
And then a little later, they started sacrificing lambs because it was the age of Arius. And then Jesus come along and it came along and it suddenly it's the Pisces, the, the fish, you know, the Christian symbol for Jesus is fish. And then it's every 2100 years, and I'll talk about that in a minute, uh, the zodiac, the ships. And, and this is astronomy and astrology. This is where astronomy and astrology come together. And now we think we're in the age of Aquarius. Why? Because the sunset on the sunrise on the spring equinox, and that's kind of hard to see sometimes. You need, there's a, there, but the ancients figure out how to do it. They stay in exactly the same place and they watch what constellation is the sun in when it rises on. Uh, equinox. And doggone it, 5,000 years ago, it was in Taurus. And then Aries, and then Pisces, and now it's, it's we think it's in Aquarius. Now, these zodiacs aren't, these zodiac signs aren't all the same size, but to the Greeks and to the Egyptians, they're different size. But the, the astronomers um, have divided up the zodiac, so everything is equal. Well, that, that's not the way the Greeks saw it. The Greeks saw figures in the sky and it was very important. So there isn't total agreement on what age we're in. Some think we're still in Pisces and some think we're in Aquarius. So astrology came before astronomy. Well, they or worked what, together. They worked together, yeah. Back okay. And, and, and uh, Egypt and I don't know, maybe somewhere else. But uh, Do you think we're in the Aquarian age right now? Well, it, things are changing. You gotta, you gotta say that. I mean, things are changing, and you have to tell us, Charles, what the age of Aquarius is going to bring with it, and then we can figure out if we're really in it or not. Pisces is let's call that the Christian age. And, mm -hmm. uh, does that mean Christianity is going away? I, I don't think so, but I, but it, it's probably going to undergo some sort of revision. But that's kind of how you tell. And, you know, I mean, if you go back and look at Hair, the, the play and the musical and movie, Hair, why right. Age of Aquarius, uh, they thought back in 19, when was that, 60, 65 or whenever Hair was out, uh, they thought mm -hmm. they were in Aquarius and there's a lot of discussion. Um, As an interesting side note, uh, Meatloaf's, one of his first gigs was in Hair. We were just talking about meatloaf in a previous uh, previous part of the podcast. I think that was his yeah. first job in L.A. It was actually the cast of Hair. Wow. Any, anyways, back to you. Yeah, it's um, I think it came out in 60. It was in the 60s when I was born. Yeah, the dawning. I think it debuted in 67 an off-Broadway debut. But that was the the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And think we're there we're moving out of this a lot of the dogma so i think we're moving more out of the christianity in the sense of kind of taking over and making that the right one you know and everybody else is wrong that making that the mainstream and anybody who has a different viewpoint is wrong particularly like going into other cultures and stuff so in that sense, we are, and also moving out of the, the hierarchy of, the, of a corporate structure and of politics and stuff, and more to all of us understanding in the Aquarian age, 
and now we're even in the Aquarian season of what our individual gifts are and how they contribute to humanity, knowing what they are and make, seeing what needs to be broken, what needs to be groundbreaking and doing and doing using your innate genius, your innovation, your Aquarius um, archetype to help bring that to be. So it, it does for sure. And I think COVID even as scary and, and uh, all that it's brought, all the traumatic implications of, of COVID, it has the, the positive aspect of the last couple of years has helped people really know a lot of people understand what their, their true innate genius is and to find others that, that they can work with that have the same mission and vision on the planet. Well, some think that uh, age of Aquarius is an age of peace. I mean, can you, can of you peace, how that peace is going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is Aquarius really a peace? Well, it's about, it's about unity. So when you have unity, you have peace, right? I mean, I would say more unity than peace. Peace is more like your sun sign Libra. That's like harmony and balance. So I think Aquarius is unity and it's where we all come together as one and, and appreciate each other's gifts as opposed to making each other wrong. Like you were saying with the gods, right? Like Kronos. Yeah. He had the shadow side, he ate his children, he swallowed them. Granted, he did, you know, he, they, he, he did, they did come back up. You, recognizing that we all have those sides, a shadow side and a, a lighter side. And with recognizing that, helping to, helping all of us to know our shadow side and our, our light side and not, you know, canceling people. So that that's what's happening now in the in-between because it's chaotic now moving from one age to the other, the Pisces to the Aquarian. So we're going to have some of that, um, that chaos, which happens with change. And a lot of people don't want change. So that's where the cancel come to be like in light of these shadow things coming up, you know, like if Kronos, if people were um, studying his behavior right now, they, you know, they might, he might be canceled. He might not even have a, a platform on social media anymore because of his actions. Right. Might be. He, he would hundred percent be canceled. <laughs> and and you, Uranus too, right. Um, all of them, but, uh, you know, um, and maybe that's what happened. That's why they've, you know, their energy is, um, so quiet, but uh, Hey, I'm totally down with, bringing their energy back, bringing, you know, um, thinking about them, considering them. And, and, and when we do with the, the planetary archetypes, we are bringing the divine, the goddess energy, the God energy back. So I say we're, we're getting there. It's going to take a while because it's a transition, right? So how many years is it between one age and another? So like between how many, how long did Pisces go for? Did you say? Well, the way they, they know the the equinox goes in, when you spin a top you know you get a real hard spin but notice mm -hmm. there's a little wobble in it and mm -hmm. the wobble kind of goes in a circle and that's how the earth behaves and yeah. the, the big circle is twenty five thousand seven hundred years okay mm -hmm. and there are 12 signs to the zodiac so when you divide it all up it's like 2160 years if you take even you know, if, if you're going to divide it up like, like astronomers do, 
Right. Um, it's roughly 2,160 years. And of course, 2,100 years ago, uh, in that ballpark, there was Jesus. Right. Um, in 2000 before that, there was Moses. And 2,000 years before that, there was Abraham, I guess. I, I don't know who, how far back they go. But I mean, the tail end of Taurus. Mm-hmm. beginning of the Bible. I yeah. should add, uh, just in case you're worried, um, that Zeus got uh, Cronus to cough up uh, his brothers. <laughs> and um, as we know, Poseidon became the king. Of, they divided up the territory. They hardly ever fought over it. Poseidon became the king of uh, the oceans because there was power. There was incredible power in the oceans, as I'm sure you know. And then uh, Hades was kind of a uh, introvert, so he wanted the underworld down in where it's dark. <laughs> he has a big mansion down there. It's not like Hades is such a bad place, but um, <laughs> well, that's how they divided it up. And I don't want to say they live happily ever after, but, but you know, they're still out there. Does he have a swimming pool, or what's what? What do we have at the mansion down there? <laughs> is that allowed down there? Six. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. What's the situation? Is that like a a lazy river or is that just a. uh... Well, you don't want to jump in it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there a connection with Uranus and Venus? Because he, Uranus, uh, came through today on our Woohoo wire and he seemed to really have a thing for Venus, for Aphrodite. Do you know about their relationship? Uranus, you were saying. Uh, Are you ready to go R rated here? Sure. We, we don't we don't have to adhere to any any FCC regulations so we can right it's the Aquarius it's the Aquarian season yep. right now well at the dawn of the Aquarian age so Cronus got kind of sick and tired of Uranus um having all these kids titans and all these undesirable things and uh so he um he didn't he remove something like a part yeah he removed something a couple of things um which are, uh, shall we call them the members? Yeah. Let's put it this way. He turned um, Uranus into a gilding. So he cut off his... Or he was a stallion. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the products that were chopped (laughs) off fell into the ocean. And it caused a big foam. Yeah, as as it would. Out of that foam... Makes sense. (laughs) Out of that foam walked Aphrodite. Mm. is the product of ocean and chronos okay and so that's now the greeks have more than one story to tell as far as the origin of the gods or how they came about but that's the one that you know when aphrodite is an extremely important god to us because without fertility human race wouldn't get very far Mm -hmm. she's important plus if you look at all the Greek statues and things like that of Aphrodite, she's absolutely a, a, a knock your socks off beauty. I mean, you expect that. Venus, yeah. of course, is the, the woman name for Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. She's in the equation, and how you know they, they interface, how we look at them today is really, I don't know, uh, hard because the, the Greeks thought they understood them. They sit around the campfire and talk about them. Mm-hmm. Or the yeah. Aurora, I should say they were well, well beyond campfire. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how to handle them today because we don't think about them. But if we don't think about them, it's still going to be dormant. It's old gods versus new gods. 
let me let me ask you this. So th- this is this is actually this is really fascinating, and I admittedly know very little about Greek mythology, but uh, I'm genuinely interested in. I could listen to that story, and I was for you know much more than we have probably time for. What do you see that the future of of Greek mythology? I mean, you mentioned that you have to think about them or they stay dormant. I mean, is this like where do you, over time in the future, let's fast forward maybe a hundred or a couple hundred years, where do you see the uh, Greek mythology in, in the, in the psyche of people nowadays? Well, that's, well, that's a great question. But the, first of all, uh, we don't think too much about Zeus, but let me tell you, there's no sailor that doesn't um, think about Poseidon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost all the ships have what is it, Saint Elmo, and people like that. As far as the that's the Christian saint, but <clears throat> when a big storm comes up or a tsunami or something, everybody thinks about Poseidon and and Hades. You know now that it's it's now we think of it as a place, but Hades was a person. He was a god. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the question is, I, I guess they're not too angry at us for not worshiping them anymore. They don't seem to be causing a lot of, well, Poseidon excluded. But, but that's a real good question. But the other question is, why, like you look at Hesiod, 800 BC, and this stuff was old as the hills then. Why? Why are we still fascinated with the gods, the Greek gods? Why we're off when we're on a ship and the waves get high and they break over the bow, we say, hey, Poseidon, come on now, give us a break. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, why in the back of our mind, maybe it's what uh, Jung called uh, the, the uh, collective unconscious or whatever he called it. Um, yeah, the collective unconscious, which is which is Uranus. That's Uranus's energy. I think because they're it's real right in hindu mythology or whether it's you know some call it mythology some don't right so whatever you want to call it energy brahma is the creator like zeus is the god of the sky vishnu is the savior like poseidon is the god of seas like water being the nourishment and shiva is the destroyer like hades is destruction so it it just makes sense i think people often there's there's we know that's the part of the Aquarian age is knowing that we have these divine qualities too and that they've been dormant because we've been told that we don't and so um and we all have the archetypes of them just like we all have the archetypes of astrology right like you have that libra that harmony and balance in your sun and your leo you know in your um pisces those three main ones for you and Brandon with his Scorpio and um, Aquarius and Sagittarius. So we all have those. And then all of those relate to a God or goddess as well. And these are archetypes that we have. I think there's that, that part of us that knows that there's that higher, that higher timeline, that higher self of us and that we were ready to, to, um, to, to know, to really know, and to, to meet those parts of us, right? So yeah, that's- Yeah, well, Carl Jung was correct. I mean, we're tapped into that collective unconscious and it comes to us, comes to us in our dreams. Right. Um, 
these little flashes of something from the past, you know, talking to us, communicating with us. I mean, you could call that part of the divinity also, I suppose. But I think that's what, you know, we like, we like ancient Hindu, like you say, Cheryl, the, uh, you know, I mean, that Bhagavad Gita, I mean, um, the Sufi Rumi picked up on this later, it says that we have to get up beyond all opposites, become totally non-judgmental. Of course, that's what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. We have to, there are no opposites, believe it or not, is where we got to get to a place of total understanding with all of our fellow humans. And we seem to be getting more and more divisive by every day. I mean, you take the COVID thing, you would think that would bring us together like a meteor coming toward Earth or something. And my mm -hmm. God, it, it split us even worse. When we're divided all over the place, now we're divided on COVID. Did you see, have you guys seen that that new movie on Netflix? It's a Netflix movie, uh, Don't Look Up. Yes. It's, uh, have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there's... <laughs> There's evidence of a meteor coming to Earth, and you have half the people who are believing it's you know it's there, and half aren't. And that was an interesting movie. We could probably talk a lot about that too. But uh, that was really interesting. Yeah, but that's the energy you have to have polarity because we live on a polarity planet. So what we need to learn is that the the polar opposites are actually two sides of a coin that work together. In astrology, we recognize that like the 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 polar opposite of Aquarius is Leo. And we, right, so the new moon that's coming up next week will be the new moon in Aquarius. And then the full moon a couple of weeks later in the season will be Leo and how they seem to be so opposite to how they work together as two sides of a coin. And that's when, when we can recognize that and, and not be so divisive, you know? But I think that's human nature at a, maybe a lower frequency as to be divisive and also we need something to push up against that pressure in order to bring about our unique gifts too. We need rules that are ridiculous to make new rules, to make change. And that's how we grow as a civilization is to press. We have pressure on our planet. So it's part of earth. So press up against something that you don't stand for to make a stand. Yeah, I love the symbol, the Chinese symbol. I think it was Lao Tzu, and uh, when he invented the, the Tao, the the yin and yang. Mm -hmm. The ancient Chinese, they had it all figured out, I think, in the, the Tao people. In that, um, I can say it's a circle with two comma-looking things, one white, one black, interlocked. But the real message is these two things, which appear to be opposites are one. I mean, one perfect circle, circles a perfect oneness thing you can get. But the other thing that most people don't really notice is in the white comma, there's a big mm -hmm. black spot. And in the black comma, there's a big white spot. In the mm -hmm. feminine, there is some masculine. And in the masculine, there is some feminine. So do these, are these two people opposite, are these two things that are opposite that are fighting each other? No, because each is part of the other one. I mean, it's an incredible, you can sit there and think about this thing, you know, for a long time and realize that, you know, the, the Chinese, uh, I mentioned the Bhagavad Gita, I mentioned Rumi, I mean, they all, all knew. Rumi has a poem about uh, be, uh, beyond the field of right and wrong. There's a meadow, I'll meet you there, um, for example. You got to get past the right and wrong and the, the division. 
the good and the bad, making others wrong yeah. or bad. Judgment, you know, of all kinds. And of course, Jesus had lots to say about judgment, but the ancients knew all this. And well, what, how, how long ago was that? I mean, because that's still a big part of our everyday life. I mean, I hear yin and yang at least weekly. Lao Tzu, 600 BC, maybe uh, 800. I'm not sure. I'm that's not. a long time. Because still soon... be in our collective, you know. Yeah. Psyche. I think it's even getting more prevalent, which is why the, the gods are going to come in. Didn't sin intentionally mean to miss the mark? Like you're just out of alignment is what sin was. It didn't well, mean. That's, yeah, that's the definition. Of, it's uh, it's um, hamarta in Greek, which really means miss the mark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and in the Hebrew um, um, word, I forget the word, Hebrew word for sin, but it turns out it also means miss the mark. Mm. It doesn't mean go to hell and rose for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> That's not comforting. Or be or be canceled and right. you know, right. taking your everything away from you because you did you do you missed the mark. Well, thank you, Dad, for your wisdom. Well, it's a lovely subject. Thank you for asking me. Jim, let me ask you this. Uh, what's, what's, is there a good book you'd recommend for somebody who has a very uh, minimal uh, experience with Greek mythology? Any favorites? Or good well, the one, one that uh, is my favorite. Let me see. Let me go get that. Uh, see all the books there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, there's about 3,000 books in this room. So. <laughs> um, this is one I got... Um, our granddaughter, Cheryl's daughter, Frankie, years ago. Frankie, yeah. And it's called the Encyclopedia of Mythology. Okay. And it's uh, who put, put, put together Eric Flaum, F-L-A-U-M. And it's illustrated. And they got all pictures. Now, some of these pictures are of statues of people who aren't wearing anything. <laughs> uh, so you would find that in the adult section in the uh, Barnes & Noble? <laughs> um. There's there's several bullfinch bullfinch is the one that's been around an awfully long time illustrated mythology, uh, but this is one that brings in the art because there was a lot of art done during the Renaissance period of various um, various gods and what they do and so it's it's kind of like it's actually an encyclopedia though you get thumb through it. Song of Achilles, which I sent to you and mom, because Frankie gave that to me. The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And then she has another book too. That's Greek god fiction, you know? And Achilles, you know, Achilles' heel is ruled by Aquarius. So um, I would recommend that one, The Song of Achilles, because you'll understand the, 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 the personification of the gods and goddesses, and it's, it's in a story. So it makes it really interesting. Yeah, and that's based on the Iliad and the Odyssey. And, and mm -hmm. isn't that strange? The oldest book in the Western world, the oldest two books are the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm -hmm. I mean, Homer, uh, it was written down. Homer would uh, go around lecturing. Basically, he would just tell the story. He had it all memorized. And the Troy was like 1200 BC. So, you know, the oldest, isn't it kind of interesting that the oldest story in the Western world it's considered on almost anybody's list as the best two books ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah the, 
Odyssey and the Iliad is all about the gods, and the gods are interplaying with each other, and they're actually, um, they're actually to some extent not necessarily fighting each other, but Athena and uh, Apollo aren't necessarily on the same side. Yes. Uh, that kind of a thing. So it, it, it tells you a lot there too. In the high school, then you hate like reading the doggone thing. But <laughs> you know, after you, have, once you get involved in in mythology, why you just you go for those books that are wonderful. Yeah. Or you could watch the Odyssey too, right? You could watch the Odyssey. Yeah, with what's his name? Um, um, uh, there was a movie out called the the Odyssey, and we had um, Vanessa Williams played uh, Calypso, the goddess. And Bernadette Peters played um, Circe, uh, Kirke, mm -hmm. I, it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a heck of a good movie. It's about, about probably 20 years old. Mm. Okay, check that out. Okay, well, thank you. We'll for sure have you back next next season. Is that was time. that was yeah that was fascinating. I uh, look forward to having you back. Thank you, Jim. Well, thank you so much. It's a, um, a labor of love. So, <laughs> all righty. Fourth quarter, this week's top four list. Welcome back to the fourth quarter. Time for this week's top four list. Cheryl, what do we have? Four ways to reflect during this Mercury retrograde in Aquarius season. Okay. Number four, reflect on the tension between breaking rules and following rules. So is that sort of like your inner conflict that you would have? Mm -hmm. Okay. Like the good angel and the devil on your shoulder kind of thing. Well, it's, there's always a tension because we live on a planet of pressure, tension, friction, and stress. So this would be that tension that you have in your psyche of the rules that you really want to break and the rules that you're following, does that tension between them? Okay. And I would say, try to break a rule yeah. during this during this time. Just see Find how it a, feels. Yeah, even if it's like, uh, um, you know, eat. Uh, Change, get in the left lane and cut people off and you're making a left turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a rule. I'm thinking of, a, let me think of a good rule that, what's a rule that I, tend to can't break. wear white after labor day like that exactly okay. definitely a fashion rule that i'm i'm very much um into that like i like to dress for my seven-year-old self so um break a break that kind of rule exactly now, could this like be like a gateway though into like maybe maybe this, maybe we're encouraging people to break a rule but then it's a gateway into like other rules we're going to create a bunch of like anarchists are you worried about that well i think if you're wearing white during the winter I think you're going to be okay. Right. So yeah. I think those are, those I've done are it the by the way. I've done you it. Have? Oh yeah. I did it proudly. So maybe you could break a rule. Like you could wear red, even though you no. claim university of Georgia. No, that's my own rule. That's not a societal rule. That's my own rule. Well, yeah, you, this would include your own rules and society's rules. I'm still not and, ready to go there. And that might be your own rule based on society telling you that you have to hate the opposing You can't do team. this to me during the retrograde and Mercury. It's already a <laughs> stressful enough. Okay. All right. Number three, 
reflect on the tension between your true nature and your social conditioning or your circumstance. Okay. So, and you, so what your true nature is, let's say you're a meatloaf, right? But you're living with a bunch wait, of I'm, meat. I'm a, oh, wait, I'm, uh, I'm confused. Am I the singer or am I an actual slab of meatloaf? Or you're either you're okay. like, you're like meatloaf. You like to eat meatloaf. That could be your comfort food, but you live in a cult of vegans, Ooh, a culture, okay. a culture cult just means a culture of vegans. People try to make cults wrong. And some of them, you know, the whole branding, I'm all into branding because you're brand on, right. But the branding thing, like in Yellowstone and other kinds of branding, I'm not so into, but some, some things about cult cultures, no, I think everyone should be part of a culture, right? So w- anything that like you're, a, you're a true nature like that, you're, or, or perhaps you're a vegan, you're plant-based, but you live with a bunch of hunters that hunt meat. Okay. And so what could you do based on your social conditioning? That would just be like a food thing. Like, let's say you're, a, you know, you're an artist and you live with, a bunch of um, corporate types, okay. and so and and it and you just considering your circumstance and how how your true nature was suppressed, and because you had a a, a fear of being dismissed or being having your voice having your voice having your your gift smothered. Got it. Just Got reflecting it. on that. Like, what is your true nature? You will know that based on what you love to do when you were seven. Okay. Number two, reflect on the tension between your individuation, your unique, true weirdness in the best way, and where you have faked the normal, the average, the typical, the mainstream for social advantages, for social expectations, for constraints and rules. Interesting. Okay. Does that bring anything up for you? I like that one. I know you keep getting, you're trying to get me to talk about some of my weird abnormalities and I'm just not ready to. Abnormalities in the best way, the, your unique true parts that are not mainstream. Is there anything about you that is not mainstream? Yeah. Give me a, give me a couple examples. Okay. Like for me, I, I hang, um, yeah, you hang organs. Crocheted organs in right. my ceiling, right? I right. don't have a couch and a TV in my main area. Do you have I a TV have, at all? I do. So, like that, like anything that would be, like, you know, I, I like to, I like to learn about like weird ways to to create vibrancy and see if see if it works. You know, like some things that we were told might not be healthy for us or nourishing for us. And then some of the like really unique uh, people out there are like, actually, this would be great for you to, to partake in. So like that, that's what I would like to do. But anything that for you, that's um, just different, that's unique, that makes you, you, that you've maybe don't, well, that maybe you want to just, I mean, you are Scorpio son, you have a stellium in Scorpio. So you might want to keep that private <laughs> and I, I can get, I get that. Because um, I, I really don't. I, 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 I honestly, and I, I would use this platform to share any uh, weird stuff and fly my freak flag high, but I really don't have anything that's, no, I, I, I do. I'm sure they're there. I'll have to, I'm going to have to report back to you on this. 
this is what we call in the business in the podcast business. We call this a teaser. Oh, yeah. I like that. So we're going to, so we're going to, we're going to leave this sort of open-ended and with the expectation that our listening audience is going to be wondering all week, what is it (laughs) about Brandon? That's so weird. And, yeah. and then there'll be, and there's obvious things. I'm sure people will start forming their own uh, <laughs> opinions and um, we can even put a poll on the website. We could like, yeah. or maybe some like people could guess now. Now you don't think not wearing red is a little weird. Like you no. think that's mainstream. No, I think that's very weird, but does that count? We've, we've talked that about counts. that so much. I didn't want to rehash. Well, we're going to continue. Um, um, okay. Sometimes you have to poke and provoke and, yeah. um, you got to poke and provoke and get, get that uh, wound out before it, uh, you excel. Um, you got it. Well, I will, uh, I will get back to you on that. But definitely not wearing red is one. I've never heard that before. So that's a very unique part of you. And I'm sure there's others. That's the so. thing. They're all on par with that. They're not, you know, you're, they're not going to um, individually, they wouldn't sort of paint me as a weird person, but maybe when you put them all together, you'd say that guy's a little strange. In the best way. In the best way. In the best way. I think weird is good. I, I, that's that alone. I think people would be surprised about me to feel to to hear me say that they think weird is good because I think I do a decent job of of trying to appear normal, and usually it has to do with like for work reasons, right? You want to, you know, you want to appear like you're, you know, not some weird dude. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm probably as weird as anybody. Good and you know weird meaning in a good like, way, in a in a good way, right? I guess we have to keep explaining. Oh that. yeah, it's, it's divinity. It's magic. That's what weird did mean. Like no, uncanny, normal like is magic. boring, and I know you agree with that. Well, in the sense of normal, as as just main, you're doing mainstream it normal is mainstream yeah. normalcy is boring. Right. I, right. I firmly believe that. Right. Like I take and in, in my most comfortable setting uh, here at home, I. I take a lot of pride in just trying to get my kids to laugh and being as weird and goofy and, and silly. And, and I, and even to my wife, and I do that at the extent of my, uh, (laughs) at at my normalcy, my kids probably think I'm a, I'm a lunatic, but, uh, but I, I enjoy that. But that's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my kids, like when I were little, I would do weird things. Like when they were taking a bath together as triplets, I would put on like a mud, what do you call those masks, but on my whole body. So I would have no clothes on and I have mud all on my body and dance around just to entertain them while they were bathing. They were like six, right? Seven. And then I also said things like, well, I, you know, I I could use that to my advantage of if something happened, a consequence would be to me show up at their school with naked with mud and they knew I would do it. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. But you have to have the you have to have the persona to get them to believe that you do it. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. You, I could see. We'll get you yeah. there. We'll get yeah. you there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then the, uh, the number one would be reflect on the tension between your groundbreaking genius, why you're here, your individual groundbreaking genius and the pre-existing ground to break. Wow. That's a, that's a thinker. Um, Mercury's in retrograde. You have this time for to communicate with yourself. Yeah. Reflect back what you knew always to be. Mm, that's not right, and what your genius is going to help break ground. At least okay. even start it. Okay. 
that's a great thought provoking thing to uh, throw out there as we, uh, for, you know, for the next week. Okay. Go weird, everybody. <laughs> this is the time. This is the season and share with us your weirdness. Cause yeah. All right. Let's get weird. All right. So how's your woohoo now? Have you caught some more? Have you, is this helping you, Brandon? I want you to get your woohoo bank account back up. Yeah. Well, in, I mean, being, going back to being uh, just normal and serious for a moment. Um, yeah. The, the explanations are always interesting. You know, when you talk about some of the, the forces that, that uh, are out there in the cosmos that, you know, either affect you or affect things around you that ultimately affects you. It's just interesting to, to, it, it's almost comforting to, to sometimes to know that there's a reason mm-hmm. and it's not just random. So that helps. And uh, I think that alone kind of fills up the bank account a little bit. Uh, love talking to your dad too. That was a lot of fun. And that was, um, mm. I'm going to probably, I don't know, spend some time I'm sure later today on the internet reading more about Greek gods. And I got to check out there this Aphrodite. And see which Greek God you really resonate with. Cause it might even be Hades being a Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm a little, now I'm scared. Well, no, you got the Sagittarius. It could be Jupiter. So you'll, you'll see. And then you have Aquarius. So, and you like to say Uranus. There you go. You're Aquarius rising. So and then we have this whole Venus thing. I, it's, you know, it's yeah. very, there's a lot. I, I have a live, a busy evening tonight. Now, like. I have a Venus sculpture in our bedroom. Our bedroom is in the Libra section of our house. And I have um, an altar to our marriage and I have Aphrodite, Venus um, right there. So mm-hmm. just to give the energy and I have yeah. all of our old um, love letters and the, oh, the wow. sweater I wore when we got, when, when I met my husband and the shirt I wore on our first date. So that's all there. It's all there in the altar. Mm-hmm. It's oh, wow. well, that's all like in a box in, a, yeah. in the altar. And then I have, um, Look at you. uh, yeah, because you know, like the energy, like well, that's how you work. That's how we can work with energy. It's call that woohoo Voss to figuring out the energy of the house. And that's what we do obviously in woohoo craft is working with the energy, not trying to work against it and not yeah. making the energy bad or wrong. Yeah. Right. Cause then it, then it makes it more fun. Great stuff. Um, yeah. All right. You need a Venus sculpture. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some internet research and then figure out who I, who I resonate with the most. Yeah. All right. Well, here's to you catching more woohoo and all of you listeners catching woohoo, the ecstatic approval of the cosmos. All right. Woohoo. Woohoo.